to him to be able to draw near together. And uh, we recognise that we enjoy such freedoms. And in a land of peace, we have the freedom to come and to gather without fear. And we draw inspiration uh, from our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in other places around the world who do not enjoy such freedoms, and yet they still gather and they still worship the Lord. I don't know whether you've seen uh, pictures or, or film of uh, some Ukrainians from uh, of the church gathering together in an under, underground car park and worshipping God, singing praises to God together. And so we have opportunity also uh, to sing our hearts out to our God and to worship him and to thank him and to lift up others to him. So we begin uh, with a responsive reading from Psalm 24. And I'll read the writing in white and all of us read the writing in yellow. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. We sing to our King of glory and declare that you are the King of glory. You have the words of eternal life. Number 627, and we'll continue by singing our next song after that. Jesus is King. Please feel free to stand, to sit, to raise your hands, to kneel, whatever way you feel is uh, honouring and appropriate to God in these days. Let's sing together to our King. You are the King of glory. You are the Prince of peace. You are the Lord. Son of righteousness, angel. 
your seats and we continue in a time of prayer. And we remember how Jesus addressed God, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. So Father, Lord of heaven and earth, we exalt you and worship you and magnify you. You are King. You are sovereign over this world and over all nations. The nations tremble. And our God, we humble ourselves before you, acknowledging our need and the need of the nations at this time. Lord, there has never been a time when we have not needed you. Indeed, Lord, where there are wars, there are wars around the world, seemingly, it seems, all the time. And sometimes they are brought to our attention, other times they're hidden from us. And there are other needs, Lord, that are around the world that, again, we are ignorant of or we turn a blind eye to. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for our hard hearts our stiff necks. Forgive us, Lord, that when even confronted with the great need there is in the world, we can so easily close our eyes, shut our ears, turn our backs. But right now we ask for help and we humble ourselves before you, acknowledging our need of you and the need of our brothers and sisters and others around the world. We especially turn our attention and lift up our prayers for the people of the Ukraine and the people of Russia at this time. Lord, we do cry out to you for mercy and for help. Lord, we are in that place where we fail to fully comprehend what's going on. We get snippets, we hear bits, but Lord... You know all things, and you know how this battle uh, rages and is fought. And so, Lord, we lift up that people to you. The people of the Ukraine, we lift up their soldiers. We also, Lord, lift up the people of Russia, and we lift up their soldiers. Oh, Lord, we cry out to you that there would be many in these days crying out to you, waking up from slumber, waking up from stupor, coming to realisation of what is happening. We pray, Lord, that you would awaken and enliven. We pray that you would draw people to Jesus in these days. We thank you for your church which continues its work in the Ukraine, which continues its work in, in the bunkers and on the streets, continues to share your good news with those in great need. We pray, Lord, that you would be drawing many into your kingdom in this time. We pray, Lord, for the president of Ukraine, for his family, for his government. Oh, Lord, we cry out to you that you, O oh God, would surround those who are oppressed. We pray, Father, that you would bring your 
holy fire, that you would surround them with your angels, and that, Lord, you would bring about a great deliverance, as you have done in the past in other lands. Lord, we pray for the Russian army. We cry out to you for, for them to come to that realisation that they have need of you too. Lord, will you bring about your great purposes in the midst of battle? And Lord, we pray for President Putin. Lord, we cry out to you that you would hold back the hand of war, the fury and the anger. And we ask, Father, that you would bring peace and stability once again in that land. Lord, we pray these prayers, realising that we are so little and our faith is so faltering, and yet you are so big, and you have done these things in the past. You have delivered us as a, as a nation in the past. Lord, will you deliver those who cry out to you for mercy and help in these days. And Lord, we pray for all those that are scattered, those that are seeking refuge. We pray for all those organisations that are seeking to help those needs. Well, Lord, we pray that you would minister your grace, wisdom and organisation so, so that provision is able to get to those in need. And we pray, Lord, for the nations at this time. May we as nations not look on and shrug or wring our hands. We pray for effective and wise and lasting action. Lord, we ask for wisdom to be on the side of the righteous and foolishness to be on the side of the wicked. And Lord, we also lift up our own land at this time. We lift up our Prime Minister and our Queen and we lift up all of those who govern us in these days who are tasked with making decisions. And we ask, Lord, for your hand to be upon them and that you would be bringing about your great purposes in our lives in this nation. We pray, Lord, for the needs that we have close to home. Lord, we lift up those among us and those who are known to us, who are experiencing trouble and difficulty. We pray for those who are bereaved and pray that you administer your comfort for those who are ill and those who are caring for those who are unwell. Lord, may you minister your strength and your peace. We pray for those that are facing difficulty and hardship, strained or broken relationships. We ask, Lord, that you would be ministering in those situations also and that you would provide for all our needs. So, Lord, we humble ourselves before you and acknowledge that you are our King. And, Lord, we look to you and we place our lives in your hands and ask that you would use us to do what you've called us to do as individuals and as a fellowship.
to meet the great need or to meet something of the great need around us. May our loaves and fishes be multiplied in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some words from Isaiah and in chapter 48. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Later on we're going to consider an encounter with Jesus that the Apostle Peter had. He encountered the Holy One. He encountered his Redeemer, who taught him what was best for him, who directed him in the way that he should go. This is the same Jesus that we worship and that we lift high. So we continue by singing the next couple of songs, beginning Lamb of God and continuing into There is a Redeemer. So again, please stand or sit or feel, uh, worship as you feel appropriate or comfortable.
take your seats. Now we're going to look together at John chapter 6, starting at verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up. At the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascends to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We thank God for his word to us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, you would use my words. I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts, our minds, to receive you and to draw near to you, to experience you, living God, for we desire you and we want you to transform our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we continue our series considering those individuals who encountered Jesus. Today we consider the Apostle Peter, known as the former fisherman Simon, son of Jonah. Now there is much that could be said about Peter and his various encounters and interactions with Jesus. We have a rich source of material in our New Testament, much of which portrays Peter, or all of which portrays Peter, very honestly, sometimes embarrassingly honestly. If I were to have any input in what was said about me, I'm sure I would be tempted to request that only the good bits be left in, the accounts that portrayed me in a positive 
light. I'm thankful that if Peter did, ha did have any editorial say, and he certainly seems to have had a material say, then he allowed himself to be accounted for very honestly, warts and all. He could have left bits out or put a positive spin on his retelling of events and actions, I suppose, but moved and inspired by the Spirit, he told it as it was. But in today's passage, we have one of Peter's highlights, a gold star moment. Yet it occurs in the midst of a difficult and painful period or moment in the Lord's ministry. Jesus is at the synagogue in Capernaum, teaching, and whilst there he has declared a few things about himself, uh, some extraordinary claims, which has, seems to have resulted in some fallout. He says of himself, I am the bread of life. I have come down from heaven. He speaks of God as his father, of himself as God's son, as the one through whom eternal life is given, the one who has the power to resurrect. I will raise them up at the last day. Now, Jesus knows that these are tough truths to swallow. And he tells his listeners that, as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. We read of how some of his own people, the, the Jews, were listening, and they began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They, they question, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how can he now say, I come down from heaven? This is a human being. So it keeps banging. This is a human being before us. Not God, surely. They did not appreciate who Jesus really was. They rejected who he claims to be, and who he would demonstrate himself to be. You know, Jesus is available in our world today, and he continues to be good news. In fact, the best news ever. And how our world so needs him. You see, he fulfills our deepest longings, our spiritual hunger and thirst, our longing for God. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's available for all, whoever comes. No matter what part of society, rich, poor, what colour or language, what tribe or nation, what depths someone has sunk to or heights someone has ascended to. What matters is that we take the opportunity to respond to Jesus as we are drawn to him. 
All those the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. You see, in a world of war, illness, despair, and death, Jesus is our heaven-sent solution. He is the hope that will never let us down. I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Everyone. That means you, those listening today, are not the exception. You have not done anything that warrants his grace and his goodness. Or anything that could prevent you from receiving by faith his offer of forgiveness and life. Jesus came to this world which the Father loves so much to be offered upon that cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He is received by those who recognise their need to repent, to seek a real change in direction, to receive a real change in relation to God, to turn from enemies to friends, to turn from darkness to light, to turn from hardness of heart to healed broken hearts. What an amazing provision God has sent to our dark and broken and rebellious planet. Yet even sent to his own people, how do they react? He finds himself surrounded by grumblers and arguers. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. How easily we resort to grumbling and complaining instead of thanking and praising. If you want to be someone who enters into God's presence, who enters into his gates, into his courts, then hear what the psalmist commands. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Note the psalmist does not write, enter his gates with grumbling and his courts with complaining. Jesus wants each one of us to come near, to come close to him, to the Father, because at the end of the day, what do we have? Our money? Our possessions? Our health, our intellect, our status, we have none of this. All this needs to be handed back to God. In a world where anything and everything could change just like that, we need what lasts. A relationship with God, the Father, 
through Jesus the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit. If you want to live, truly live, then turn to Jesus and grab hold of Jesus. For Jesus said, I am the bread of life. See, here is the bread that comes down to us from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. He is a living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is his flesh, which he gives for the life of the world. So are you excluded? from this offer? Only if you're on a a different planet. And his own people, well, they turn from grumbling now to arguing. The Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? But they're missing Jesus' meaning in the metaphor. But then he doesn't make it any easier for his hearers. You see, four times he speaks of consuming his flesh and drinking his blood. For a Jew to eat the the flesh of a human being, to contemplate such a thing would be abhorrent, unlawful. Surely Jesus is risking losing some of his followers here. Certainly on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And the disciples resort to grumbling again, and Jesus is aware of the grumbling. So perhaps he might row back a bit. Perhaps Jesus will sweeten the medicine in some way, sugarcoat the truth to make it a bit more palatable, a bit more acceptable. But no, You see, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this and that some are offended, Jesus hammers home the point. Rather than trying to keep his following, he shows them the exit door. He knows and states that there are some there listening to him who do not, in their heart of hearts, believe. He presents the truth of God's word so clearly, so starkly, that a swathe of disciples can't take it anymore. And yet Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Seems as though Jesus has blown it. But then Jesus, on a different occasion, said this True worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in Spirit and in truth. Let me emphasise the point. Following Jesus with the flesh will not enable you to stay the course. 
The Father enables true discipleship. He enables by his Spirit for his disciples to be so much like Jesus that they are of one flesh, of one blood, united in heart, in will and in purpose. Are you truly wanting to follow Jesus? If so, there is a cost. It will cost you everything. Christianity is not for the faint-hearted or for the fearful or for the worldly or for the comfortable. And Jesus asks a very important question now to the twelve. And he asks it of us too. You do not want to leave too, do you? And it is at this point that Simon Peter trumps up and comes up trump. We could divide his reply into three parts. Verse 68, firstly a question back to Jesus. Lord, to whom shall we go? Then secondly, a statement about Jesus. You have the words of eternal life. Then thirdly, in the next verse, a statement about themselves as a group of twelve in relation to a further statement about Jesus. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We're going to briefly consider each of these. Firstly, Lord, to whom shall we go? It reminds me of something else that Peter piped up about, recorded by Matthew, Mark and Luke. We read it in Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Peter's predicament as a former fisherman was that he had sacrificed everything to be with Jesus, to be one of his followers, his disciples. And we're told of Peter and Andrew, James and John leaving their fishing business and and family, it seems, of some sorts. Matthew leaving his lucrative tax collecting, just like that. No doubt the rest had made their decisions to leave behind things, people, possessions, preoccupations and occupations precious to them in order to gain something, or rather someone greater, the pearl of great price. They had burned their bridges, it seemed, thrown their lot in with Jesus. They had followed him so enthusiastically it had cost them dearly. I wonder if the same can be said of today's disciples of Jesus. We have left everything to follow you. We have left all we had to follow you. So when Peter asks Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? I think the answer that he's concluded is, there's no one. There's no one or nowhere else we can go. 
We have thrown our lot in with you completely. It's cost us everything. And why does he say this? Because of the uniqueness of Jesus. He is the only one who has the words of eternal life. See, Jesus is not one among many to choose from. He's not a consumer Jesus or a pick-and-mix Jesus. I'll have a little bit of him here and there in my life. In fact, thinking about it, is there really any choice at all when we come face-to-face with Jesus and realise the truth about him? I mean, who in their right minds would choose to follow anything or anyone else? Who would trust in their riches or in their possessions or in their intellect or in their status or in their health or in their connections to save them for eternity? See, Jesus has and is God's word to us. And that word is eternal. The psalmist declares in Psalm 119, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. And all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. In the previous chapter, Jesus has said in John chapter 5, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. In other words, what we do with Jesus and with Jesus' words determines our eternal status and destiny. The psalmist declared in Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Sometimes we can hold so firmly onto this world's treasures that we're not able to grasp our eternal treasures offered out to us. Jesus claimed, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he tells his listeners, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I am the gate, Jesus says. Whoever enters through me will be saved. But secondly, Jesus has the words of eternal life. Thirdly and lastly, Peter tells Jesus, we, that is the the twelve, have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, they'd come to believe and know that the prophetic scriptures applied to Jesus. As God spoke through his prophet Isaiah, 
I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Calling Jesus the Holy One of God is declaring Jesus' divinity, equality with Almighty God. As God himself says through his prophet Isaiah again, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Even the demons could not keep themselves from declaring the truth about Jesus. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So as Peter encounters Jesus, he, he concludes that Jesus is the Holy One of God. God, the Holy One, and that only he has the words of eternal life and that there is nowhere else to go, nowhere else to turn, no one else to, to go to. And he reminds us that it costs us everything to be a true follower, a true worshipper in spirit and in truth. Are we willing to die to self and live for Christ? Or are we of those who will turn back? Because this is a hard teaching. The writer to the Hebrews reminds us of God's words, and I conclude. But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Amen. I'm going to just pause for a while and just ask that God would continue to speak to us. And it may be that the Lord lays upon your heart words that are from Him to you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us in these days. Help us to hear open our eyes, soften our hearts. May we hear and understand and respond. Lord, we want to be those who hear and act upon the words of Jesus and therefore build our lives upon the rock. We don't want to be those who hear your words and yet do not obey. So Lord, we cry out to you Take the words that you've spoken to us and may they bear fruit in good soil, ploughed soil, not hard ground where the seeds are taken by the birds, not stony ground where the, the soil is shallow. When tough times come, we wither away. Not soil that has got thorns and thistles, where we are so worried about the things of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, 
pleasures that we want, that these things end up choking your word. Help us to hear your word, to believe it and to act upon it in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing our final song. I did have two here, but we'll just sing the, the first of these two. So number 203, I believe in Jesus. And we're going to sing this as we conclude our time together, declaring our trust in him. And if you're someone who realises that actually you haven't uh, asked Jesus into your life, you haven't placed your trust in him, then I'm very happy to kind of uh, speak after the service to you and uh, be able to pray with you so that you may be able to ask Jesus into your heart and see your life being transformed by his life within you. And it may be that you've been watching today as well online and again, you want to get to know more about Jesus or ask him into your life. So again, contact us through our website um, and we'd be more than happy to share with you more. Let's sing together, I believe in Jesus. Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with you remain upon you be upon our brothers and sisters wherever they are around our world and grant us his peace Amen and let's say the words of the grace to one another the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.